This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid, powered by The Race Talk here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course, theracetalk.com is where you go for all your great news, including the power ratings which are out and we'll talk about those very shortly. We'll have Lewis Leeds coming on shortly to talk about his F4 return. But first of all, two of the best in the business join me. I say g'day to Richard Crail from theracetalk.com. G'day, Crailsey. Hello, Shebexter. How are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. And also, uh, Dale Rogers joins us as well. G'day, Dale. Tony, how are you? Yeah, marvellous, boys. Thank you for joining Good. us. Uh, let's get straight into it. What did we learn from the weekend down in Tassie? We know that there was a lot of changes leading into it, uh, things to do with Park Ferme and centre of gravity and all that sort of stuff. Did any of that make any difference, Richard? <laughs> what did we learn? Uh, nothing, nothing much. Uh, it was a strange weekend and a really interesting sort of vibe in the paddock with um, all the chat and all the sort of stuff just bubbling away in the background with, with the centre of gravity debate, the parity word, and then all of the other changes that they're now just throwing at the teams that they're facing the prospect of back-to-back race meetings. They're dealing with that, um, dealing with the, the first round that they're trialling this um, park for May rules where they weren't allowed to touch the cars between qualifying and the race, so there was a compromise was set up for racing, which may or may not have played a role in the way that Shell Power Racing went about their business on Sunday with Scott McLaughlin's car. So um, all of those things, I, I think we left with no clearer picture, Dale, um, from where we entered the weekend. And I think we need to wait, as, as we've been saying ad nauseum since the start of the season, it, it, Phillip Island's going to be the real test to see where things are at. But I don't feel any more intelligent after last weekend than I did going into it. No, I couldn't agree more, uh, Krause. The 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 circuits perhaps uh, didn't really deliver some some answers to questions. What it did deliver though was a point score that sees two Shell V Power racing teams in uh, Mustangs in first and second, and two Red Bull Holden racing team Commodores in fir- in third and fourth. So what it did was put all the heavy hitters right to the top of the piles, which I thought was was really interesting. But look, on the Mustang, and I think there was a lot of talk about it going in. Probably not the circuit to really define whether the the COG issues had um, had made an impact. And of course, we must remember that the cars didn't have weight added to them; they had weight moved in them. I think there's some people thinking that they got pinged on on extra weight. Um, but there were only two Mustangs down there, uh, Crowley and, and Tony, that I thought actually were performing because the other four, which had been particularly good at Adelaide and at the Grand Prix, uh, were AWOL. And, and I think that probably, to Richard's point, um, feeds the fact that we didn't learn what we probably thought we were going to learn. Yes, well, if I took anything out of the weekend, it was uh, the return of Ford Performance Racing <laughs> to uh, the Supercars paddock instead of Tickford. They, and you just mentioned that there, Dale. They really shot themselves in the foot this weekend again, and they just have a habit of doing it. Just as things look to turn around for them, they seem to have that habit of just shooting themselves in the foot and uh, things go wrong. Tony, it was fascinating to listen to uh, Chaz Mostert talking after the race, and he, he was actually likening the performance of the car to the FGX Falcon down there, uh, which I, I really found an interesting uh, comment. Uh, the FGX actually was such a step up from the FG Falcon at, uh, at Simmons, and perhaps, um, as you say, FPR and, and in its later days, Tickford haven't performed. But 
Um, Shell V Power and, and, and you know, the, the predecessors that did get that car working down there in the FGX, it was a bad race car in the end. So but they, they definitely uh, had some major issues. And the fact that Lee Holdsworth came back in that second race from, from almost at the back of the field to finish as the first Tickford car on, on the track just inside the top 10 says that there was a world of pain for those other three cars. The, the interesting thing for me is that if you judged the parity debate on that weekend alone, which no one is, but if you look at it in isolation, there's nothing wrong because we had one Ford and one Holden win each race at what has been the most dominant Holden circuit on the calendar for the last decade. They've won coming into the weekend. I think it was 18 out of 21 races had, had gone the way of GM and 14 of those were triple eight cars. So they, they smashed them at that place. Um, fractions in it in qualifying, but as you said, it, it was only the two Fords. It, it was, it was last year all over again, wasn't it? It was yeah. the two Red Bull cars, David Reynolds, the two Red Fords, and that was it. And they, they yeah. were the contenders with a starring performance from Irwin Racing. And we can touch on that later in, in Mark Winterbottom and how good a job they did. But it's a triple eight car feeding off triple eight data. So there was no shock that that thing was quick. So really, nothing's changed. Um, but I, I think the suspicion is that we're going to get to Phillip Island this week and the Mustangs will have their aero advantage with Simmons Plains not being an aero track at all. There are three corners and none of them particularly quick. Um, that the aero advantage is going to be there. But so, but but then again, how do you judge that? Because if Tickford Racing have another bad weekend and they're down the field, but Scott goes and dominates and wins both races... Does that mean that the Mustang has an advantage still, or does it mean that it's Scott McLaughlin dominating in a track where he smoked them last year in an FGX Falcon, which apparently wasn't very good? So it's as clear as mud, isn't it? When you when you read into it and, and you look at the form guide at the moment, it, it's impossible to pick this apart. I think the the one uh, shining light for for the Ford fans down there over the weekend was in fact Fabian Coulthard to, to walk away with two second places and I'm certainly not taking anything away from Scotty or Shane Van Gisbergen's performance but Fabian has just played himself back in um, you know he sits second uh, two second places over the weekend gets you a bag of points and uh, he did look pretty strong um, you know it's definitely he battled well with Shane Scott um, Scott's battle with Shane was, was extraordinary Jamie was a bit uh, was, was obviously in a bit of strife as well, but it's really it, it's it's added to this confusion about about what's going on. But I, I think you're right, Richard. I think this weekend the weather forecast is okay. I think there's going to be a bit of rain on Saturday from what we're looking at, uh, or there could be. And Phillip Island can always throw up some weather. But if if these car if these Mustangs do really rip into it on the weekend, then um, uh, you know I'm sure there'll be lots of lots of complaints up and down pit lane. But They've got to let it settle now. They've, they've done a major change to these cars. They've got to let it run its course. They've got to take it to Perth and a few other races and, 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 and let the whinges whinge. You know, we've got to get on with racing. And as you say, it couldn't be better that we've got the, the top two teams battling within 166 points. So they've got one race, race win between the top four cars in the championship after three rounds. Not bad. The haters are going to hate, 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 Dale. There's no doubt about that. Keeping on the theme of uh, things that we learned, I think we learned that knockout qualifying, that uh, the, the new qualifying session for the sprint races is probably something that should be nearly adopted to every race that we have in the Supercars series. It is spectacular. It keeps you enthralled all the way through and it gives a sense of purpose to practice and there ain't nothing wrong with that. 
yeah, couldn't agree more. And and sitting there watching, especially the Friday practice too, uh, but but as well as that Sunday morning practice session, which is usually the biggest waste of the time of a session you'll ever have because no one wants to tear anything up before quality in a race on Sunday. Um, but but the intensity in those sessions to try and make it to the top ten, which means you automatically progress through to part two of qualifying, you're guaranteed to start in the top fifteen. That's a huge bonus. Um, they they were like a 20-minute all-in qualifying session. So the irony is is that they run these knockout systems, these knockout sessions to uh, reduce the number of cars on a short lap to stop those traffic issues in qualifying. But it just moves that problem to practice, which I think is great because it just shows now that the practice is even more vital. And, and you know, we the three of us have talked ad nauseum about the fact that you get through a Friday at a supercar round in the past and nothing happens. And it's completely redundant because everyone's running old tyres and nothing really happens and you don't get a good form guide. Now they're chucking new tyres at their cars at the end of practice two to get the car into the top 10 so they're good for qualifying. It's using up their tyre bank going into the races so they've got less good rubber for the racing, which spices that up. I, I think it's been one of the best rule changes they've put into the sport in the last, I don't know, five years if not longer it's it's tremendous works a treat yeah couldn't agree more Richard I think it's, it's a great addition and uh, you know, I think we've really got to look at these these initiatives and you know, don't be scared to put them forward but when they work you know really capitalise on them because it, it was quite enthralling and uh, uh, and it will mix up the grids as, as it even did you know this weekend a little bit but it will there will be a time when the grid will be a, a grid that you'll say, God, my God, how did that all happen? And it'll be because of this process we're going through on the Friday and the Saturday, which I think is fantastic. Can I just say that we did mention uh, yeah, on the race talk this week, we had some uh, a couple of other things on, that uh, came out of Park Firme as one of the uh, the hot uh, things. But we had a couple of shocking not-too-hots, didn't we, on the weekend, Richard? Mm. Yeah. Um, really, yeah. apart from Gary Rogers, which was definitely not... Oh. I mean, the, the 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 real the real not news of the weekend, if you will, is Kelly Racing and Techno. They, they were they were they're both going to play on all the way to Phillip Island, but quite extraordinary stories. Yeah, and and Shebeck's might want to add to this that the the Kelly Racing thing is now becoming it must be hugely frustrating for the team, obviously, but it, it's it's such a strange thing, and that they're blaming this this. They got an aero break. They needed more downforce, so they got a break to their rear wing and a parity change in the off-season, but it's actually screwed them because mm. they've they've been on record as saying that they've had to completely reset the way they're engineering and setting up these cars, so they're starting from scratch. But two two races, 120 k's and 200 k's, on the shortest lap of the calendar where, in theory, the field should be at its absolute closest of the entire season – Outside of maybe Barbagello, but I reckon Simmons is closer because there's less yeah. going on. Um, and the best Nissan finish from eight starts was one fifteenth place. Oh, that's just and and I know the team will know this a hundred percent and will be the first of minute. But it's not good enough, isn't it, for a team of that caliber with the drivers they've got to struggle to crack the top fifteen is yeah. is bad. And something's got to break at that place soon to turn them around. Uh, Rick will be desperately hoping that. He has some form like he did at Phillip Island last year and, and get himself on the podium because yeah. they need it. No, you're absolutely spot on. And I do want to weigh into the next subject, which was techno on that and uh, the fact that I thought it was really poor form from Jonathan Webb to come out as he did and sort of say, you know, Jack LeBrock 
has a, a, a contract to drive with us. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, re- we'll look at that in the next two weeks and see where we go from there. Uh, not backing his driver and effectively throwing his driver under a bus, I thought was really poor form for the fact that they haven't really done anything to help him out in this situation. We know that Jack has mentioned about the fact that uh, it's an old car that they're using. There hasn't been any updates to this car for a while. How in the hell is he meant to compete and perform with, one, a brand-new Mustang, and, two, the ZB Commodore than the way it's been going for the last 12 months? How are these guys meant to be competing with that and as a driver how's he meant to be competing with that when the team's not helping it's just really bad form from me for the team to come out and blame the driver when they're not doing anything themselves yeah i, I agree with you Shebex. i i i was a bit staggered on on when when i i interviewed a commentary from uh from john o webb and um yeah look a lot of teams struggle. I, th- I think the perfect example of, of someone who's you know dug deep and and, and, and pulled themselves out is is uh, is Charlie Shirkolt and the Allen Racing team because yep. they were they were arguably in that situation last year. Now, okay, Charlie's Charlie's you know rattled the can, but he's he said if I'm going to continue with this, I've got to do it properly. And my God, isn't he doing it properly? You know, and, mm. and you take that off to him. Techno have, have the same the same basic arrangement. They have a triple eight ZB Commodore. They have a technical alliance with them. The thing is though that they have not yet got the, the technical alliance benefits of the parts that have come onto the car. And there's only one reason they don't get them, and, and, and that's because they haven't been purchased or paid for. Um, and I, I, it, it's disappointing because um, they're a great... They've won Bathurst. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. The team, when it's, when it's on the song, is, is a good operation. But um, it just left us... I think it left a sour toast in everyone's mouth, just that mm. commentary. And, and surely from a race driver's point of view, I mean, you know... You, what do you do? It, it's a, yeah. very, very tough to move on. And I think I think the other thing behind the scenes there, they've lost Adrian Burgess, so uh, he's he's now at Supercars full time. So that's a, a leadership role with an engineering base. It must be said as well that that they're now lacking, um, and and at least visibly, it doesn't look like they've filled that role with anyone else. So Webby stepped up to to team manage and to run the joint. Um, by all accounts, they've had some staff turn over there as well. So running a, a front end that's four generations behind what the, the factory cars are. I thought it was interesting to that point about the, the information transfer that Shane Van Gisbergen in the Sunday press conference said, look, it's been great. We, we learned a heap out of Irwin Racing and we also got a bit out of Matt Stone and, and Matt's been the same. They're now running a current spec Triple Eight customer car. Didn't once mention Techno. Mm. So that just shows that while they're transferring information, um, at least from a techno point of view, it's only going one way because they don't have the same gear as the other Triple Eight cars. I, I feel for Jack. I, look, I feel for the team, and, and like you said, Dale, they're they're a practice winning team. They were a title contender a couple of years ago with, with Van Gisbergen driving, so they should be better. For whatever reason, they're not, and I wonder how long LeBrock persists with with hanging on. And like in that scenario, do you drive for the sake of finishing nineteenth in every race, or do you, would it be better off for him to go and chase a a decent enduro drive, if there's any left. I don't know. It's a it's a frustrating scenario, isn't it? I do like. Yeah, it is. I do like the the final line, boys, uh, in the power rankings uh, this week, which says if Techno and LeBrock do split after Phillip Island, it could possibly be the break that they both need. And that would yeah. seem like the situation now, Dale. It would seem like yeah. it's going to be very hard for Jack to stay at that team, knowing how they feel about him. And possibly Techno needs somebody in to bring a few extra dollars to help them achieve what they need to achieve. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't think just just no, to touch on. Sorry, Dale. I, I I don't think they 
I don't think they're out for Jack. I don't think they've they've got the knives out and they oh, want no, to get but... rid of their driver. But I think it's more it's circumstance. It's uncomfortable they go to work get. when you know that feeling. Yeah, Surely, and, and also Jack, Jack's brought the you know the the, the the bulk of the signage that's on that car has come with Jack LeBrock, and uh, you know for a young guy to to, to put this deal together to, to get to the level where he's got a budget to go racing, obviously with some, some very good support behind the scenes. Um, you know, if, if there are people circling that's, that, that that perhaps have a bigger pot of gold, um, that may be the outcome. Mm, interesting to see how that goes. Before we uh, look forward to this weekend at Phillip Island, guys, uh, the other interesting thing at the bottom of the power rankings too on the racetalk.com is the ratings watch. And Richard, fantastic to see that uh, ratings have been up for every race bar one, which was race five. And uh, Fox Sports are enjoying uh, a renewed, uh, I don't know, look, I suppose, at, at supercars. Yeah, well, and, and forgive me if this sounds like getting on my high horse a little bit here. And I, I've probably got a a slight conflict of interest because I'm, I'm on the broadcast doing the support. But um, for all the people that jump on social media and say, oh, I'm cancelling my Foxtel, I'm never watching this again because it's not on free-to-air, um, across the eight championship races so far, Fox's ratings are up about 18%. I think the the overall number is probably higher. Um, and all bar one race this year, as you said, has been drawn a higher number than, than last year's equivalent race. And the calendar mirrors itself almost to the weekend to what we had last year. So the numbers are really good. Uh, almost 200,000 watching on Fox on Sunday, um, which makes it the second highest Foxtel coverage of the year behind race two in Adelaide. So it outrated all the races wow. of the GP, which I thought was really impressive. Um, Network 10 back for Perth, which is going to be great. So a bit of prime time, free to air. So the numbers should be really good there. So for all the doom and gloom merchants, if you if you read social media, um, who are saying that the TV product's dead and no one watches, well, actually more people are watching on subscription television than ever before. Um, and the the more interesting thing, and at the risk of inflaming the trolls who like the A League or rugby, um, supercars comfortably, comfortably, comfortably destroying soccer and uh, rugby union on on Foxtel too you know, five or six times the better numbers for supercar racing compared to your average A-League game. So don't don't let anyone tell you that no one watches it on pay TV because actually they do. The numbers are very good and they'll only get better when, when Channel 10 come back for their uh, their selected races for the rest of the year. Dale, I can tell you that uh, Billy Cart Racing would outrank uh, soccer and rugby yeah. union at the moment. They are, they're, actually, they're actually killing themselves. No one else is doing it. Um, I, it's, I, I think the Foxtel product is fantastic. It's uh, yeah, the, the, the telecast is, is great. Um, I'm interested in watching Roundy develop. Uh, they're giving him a lot of space and a lot of time to do it. And uh, yeah, look, he's quirky and he's okay. He's not Russell England. I don't think he ever, ever was going to try and be, but um, I think he's doing a pretty good job. But the tele, the quality of the telecast is world class. There's no question about it. What do we the, think of Scott um, McLaughlin, boys? Well, I, I, I thought I was just going to say that I thought that Friday practice session, the co-driver session, was some of the best TV they've made. Um, having Scotty down at the hairpin, he was outstanding and in his own quirky way. You know, he's, he's a really funny guy and quite quite amusing in front of the camera. But what I love about that is that he's real. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's been compared to Craig Land so many times. But the CL you get in front of the camera is the same Craig pretty much you get in real life, for those that know him. Um, Scotty was the same. This funny, irreverent pretty humorous, um, you know, hand in his ear going, I don't know if you blokes can hear me because I can't hear a thing. It was all very funny. Um, but, but that coupled with Merce driving um, 
driving the, the team full drive entries for VJR. That was terrific and bouncing back and forth and talking about braking points and the nose dipping on the cars and all of that. I, that was It was really interesting television, but it was fun TV as well. And I think that's what supercars needs to be. We can get buried in roll centres and COG and all of that stuff sometimes, whereas when you plonk an enthusiastic bloke on the corner with a camera and an equally enthusiastic bloke in a car going, how good's this? then that's actually the heart of it. And I think that made really good TV. So if you haven't seen it, um, there's there's a decent 10-minute clip on the Supercars website of uh, Dotty and Murph bantering basically during that practice session. It's well worth a watch. It certainly is. Boys, let's turn our attention. And, of course, the power ratings, you can uh, the power rankings, I should say, you can get at theracetalk.com. Have a read. Love your thoughts on them. And uh, we'd love you to also get involved on a uh, on a supercars weekend basis, basically. So at the end of the weekend, uh, jump on the website or jump on the uh, the social medias, Richard, and people can put mm. their power rankings in as well. Yeah, yeah, we want people to be involved in this. And, and you know, we're, we're at events and we see cool stuff, but sometimes there might be something we miss. We don't often have the luxury of watching the broadcast, so if people see something at home that they like, um, jump on board at the Race Talk, Facebook, Twitter. Um, yeah, love your thoughts. I think we have a good time putting this together, don't we? And we, it's sort of just pounding out what works from a weekend and diving down into some of the cool stories. And um, Tobias Chapel, the young Shell V-Power racing mechanic, who all the backslapping in the pit stops there and then got to, to get the trophy. Telling stories like that is what we're all about. And, was picking up some of the good bits from the weekend. So uh, we'd love people to get involved. I'll tell you what, in the uh, lead-up to the actual development of the power rankings uh, during the weekend, there could be some defamation uh, cases actually put up yeah, if that, anyone that, saw that the private, notes. Private, <laughs> private chat's going to stay private, definitely. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, what won't be private is Phillip Island. It's going to be uh, open for everyone to see, and uh, it will be a totally different track, as you guys mentioned earlier, in regards to giving us some sort of maybe a bit more clarity about where these cars do really stand, uh, having the the opportunity to go back to a big open track again. One would think that the Mustangs will probably uh, yeah just uh, keep going stronger and stronger. Yeah, I, it's going to be a real surprise if, if those if the Mustangs don't come on strong at the island. It's uh, uh, you know the, the, when they tested there, the, the, there was a bit of uh, cat and mouse of where they were putting uh, beacons and things, and there's no question that the cars were complete were all on song uh, down there. The, the, the Tickford cars as well. I would be staggered if we don't see a um, uh, a real dogfight at the front with the with the uh, the Shelby Power cars and Triple Eight, and, and I would be staggered. And we'll know there's something wrong if the Tickford cars aren't there. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't write off Erebus. Uh, I think they, they've started to get a bit of mojo back, as, uh, mm. as Barry Ryan said. Um, the rest, yeah, I, I think the, I think the gaps are starting to show now. Yeah, I, the other thing for me that I'm that I'm interested in, and I, I agree with those points. And the the big thing will be if Tickford are competitive, um, and and if it's the Shell cars one, two, and Tickford three, four, five, six, then yeah, we may well have more of an inherent arrow issue in the category that they need to look at. But it, it'll be so hard to judge if it's just Scotty and Fabian at the front waving their lone hand. We need to keep in mind that, um, and, and Shane was the first to admit it, that the car that Triple Eight took to the test day at the start of the year was not a very good car. And they're no. significantly better now. They're starting to get a, a grip on this linear spring thing that they've been battling with for the start of the season. The other thing for me is, is to see where Brad Jones Racing land, because... Once again on the weekend, and it wasn't quite so obvious as it was at Albert Park, but that team are, at the moment, 
you know, Erebus were there on the weekend, but at the moment they're the second best holding team behind Triple Eight. Yeah. So they continue to do really good jobs, and that they were both fast at Slade and Percat. That is on Saturday. They didn't qualify very well on Sunday, but they both raced their way forward to a really impressive to, to, to get themselves in the top ten. So I really enjoy what what that team's doing at the moment. So whether they can keep up with this development race and they can retain that position as Holden team number two behind the factory Holdens, that's going to be a really interesting story and see if they can they can get in and amongst Davy Reynolds and and maybe even further towards the field. But they've done a really solid job this year and. They can tick a box and be fast at Phillip Island. That's that's the sweep of the four different tracks we've had at the start of the year. So that going into their home track at Winton in a couple of months, that might be a, a really good motivational thing for those guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, tips for this weekend, boys? Oh, bloody hell. Uh, <laughs> it look, you'd have to be a lunatic to tip against Scott McLaughlin you at would. the moment. It's, if there was going to be a track where he didn't win, it'd be Tassie last weekend and he won there and took his championship lead from 35 points to 135 or thereabouts. So I'll, I'll go McLaughlin to win one race. He's just going to build his championship lead. I Honestly, he's not going to lose the championship this year. I can't see it happening. Um, race two, I, I reckon one of the Red Bull cars will win. There you go. That that may okay. be rolling the dice, but I think they're okay. Uh, and, and I think that, the sport needs them to win at Phillip Island, where everyone thinks the Mustang's going to dominate, because that might just shut up this ridiculous parody debate for a time, which would be uh, very nice. Yeah, I think there's one guy that's going to be uh, have a lot to prove, and it's Jamie Winkup. And, and you know, when he gets the, the bit between his teeth and he puts his head down, he's a very, very good racer, and he's going to be very, you know, he he could be very hard to beat. So I think someone is going to really take it up to uh, to Scott, and I, I'm not discounting Shane Van Gisbergen at all, but. But Jamie needs to get back on track. He needs to, you know, get over the Tasmanian race. And, uh, uh, you know, when he's angry, look out. Yeah, very much so. This weekend, boys, uh, the Formula One circus makes its way to Shanghai in China. Are we expecting anything uh, different other than Ferrari and uh, Mercedes domination? Uh, well, I'm actually interested to watch it, uh, which is good because Bahrain was such a good race. So I'll, I'll keep going. Um yeah, look, it's it's interesting. That midfield fight's amazing at the moment, and, and that's what I think is generating a lot of this interest. But, you know, can the Ferraris continue that pace advantage they had at, at Bahrain? They, they managed to lose that race, not for the first time in the last couple of years. They lost a race. Didn't, Ferrari, Mercedes didn't win that. Ferrari lost it. So yeah. the, the rebound there will be really key. I, I'd love Charles Leclerc to, to avenge that really unfortunate issue in Bahrain and, and grab a race win because he drives so well. Um, and then who gets P5 behind those leading teams um, at the moment? McLaren's doing a really nice job and Lando Norris in particular driving well. Um, and can Danny Rick finally get on the board and get a decent result after what's been a rubbish start to his uh, career at Renault, which no. I think seemed to have a pretty decent race car. So uh, we'll see where they can end up. Yeah, there's a couple of things that we, uh, we 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 got sent to us from our, uh, our, our guys in Bahrain, and and really the interesting thing was when Ferrari practiced, they were so far in front of the other of the, of the Mercedes and the rest of the field, and it wasn't until qualifying that Mercedes, uh, you know, went into party mode that all of a sudden mm. it caught up, uh, and this is a really interesting thing that that, that the the Ferrari is super quick through practice. Mm. Super quick in qualifying, and then Mercedes come back and nail them. Because if you had looked at the practice times, Mercedes were not going to get anywhere near them. 
but they yeah. qualified very, very close to them. So there's something there that, 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 that Mercedes are, are bring the thing up uh, to qualify. Ferrari seem to want to run this car hard from the, from the get-go, cause, and it seems that that's a, that's a flow from Melbourne as well. There is something that's not quite right in that engine system, and, and it was proven again at, at Bahrain with, with uh, Leclerc. So I think that battle is going to be fascinating. The Ferrari should be the fastest car in, in Shanghai. That, that, that kilometre-long back straight, if this thing is quick, that's where it's going to really, really get a, get a, a, a run on. Um, I think the, the, uh, the Red Bull was a disappointment in Bahrain, but it has shown some pace. But, it's, but, but it, it, it was nowhere near the Mercedes uh, yeah. and the Ferrari. Nowhere near it. Uh, but it was comfortably in front of anything else. I agree with Rich. You know, McLaren, great comeback. I picked them as uh, as, as, as not a, not even uh, getting on the, the bookmaker's screen. Norris is doing a great job. Kimi Räikkönen's done a good job as well. He's, he's under bubbling in that seventh, eighth, ninth position. But the the disappointment for the season for mine is Pierre Gasly. Uh, he's sitting in Danny Rick's car. Maybe yeah. he has got Danny Rick's car from last year that kept breaking down. But he he's really disappointed. I mean, mm. yes, he, he scrambled into eighth place in in Bahrain, but. You know, he's so far behind the Sapper that it's, there'd be some questions asked. Um, of the rest, um, Albon, I think, has done a good job. He's already given uh, Kubiat uh, a watch for, which I think is fantastic. Haas, once again, fantastically quick car, but has the ability to just completely destroy their race. Roman Grosjean's an expert at it. <laughs> um, Williams, you know, what can you say? It's, it's, it's tragic. And then on to Renault. I think Renault have a very good race car. Um, mm. I, I think if you look at what um, Hulkenberg's done, he is racing that car superbly. They are getting up into sixth and seventh place, which is yep. where they thought they'd be. He's doing, he's doing it on the, on the first two races of the year, but the mechanical failures are just are, are chronic. Um, he has definitely got the better of Dan at the moment, uh, but you know I think you know Daniel Ricciardo will come back here, and there's no question that once they get this car a little bit... Uh, further down the track in terms of reliability, it is a good race car. Not a great qualifying car. It's not a one-lap screamer, but it's got great uh, It's got great long run and great uh, race pace. So uh, I'm just hoping that maybe China could be the turn where they start to emerge as the fourth best turn. Um, yeah, it's gonna, China normally plays up a really, really good race. So yeah, uh, we're looking forward to it. You guys just mentioned uh, the, the the improvement of McLaren in Formula One. Can I also just mention the beautiful looking Indy car that they've presented for oh. Fernando Alonso? It is my yeah. favourite looking Indy car at the moment. It is gorgeous. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm. I'm the Indy 500 is going to be cool. Uh, yeah, Alonso going for the triple crown. Uh, now he's got Le Mans under his belt as well. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very very cool, and the best the best thing about it all is is that their F one team starting to perform again. So, yeah. you know, all these questions over will it take away from the focus of that? Blah blah blah. It's like, well, no, they've they've got their F one team. I saw a graph where um, on the qualifying pace, and they've improved by a significant percent, whereas Red Bulls dropped off. I think eight tenths. McLaren's improved by one point two seconds on average in their qualifying pace this year. You know, relative to their gap to the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I could dig it up and we'll, we'll post it on the socials but um, it's a great story but yeah that, that IndyCar it's, it's a hot looking thing isn't it with the orange and the blue yeah, that's, uh, that's a winning livery mm. it certainly is just, just before we finish yeah, on down. Formula 1 Tony um, it, it, we, we should acknowledge that uh, Mick Schumacher uh, oh, did yes. run in Bahrain he turned in 56 laps in the current car uh, numbered number 29 which was mm. interesting he was second overall to um, to the Stappen uh, by only six tenths of a second uh, now, we know they were on different tyres, 
But, you know, it, it was a very credible performance. And from the footage that I've seen, he looked completely at home, not only in the garage, in a pair of red overalls and in that Ferrari. So, you know, again, Leclerc is definitely being groomed as the successor. You know, I think we will see a Schumacher in, in that car. He did a very, very credible job. He did a great job in F2 over the weekend as well. Mm. Um, and and the, the man that was on the pit wall that we've just been talking about uh, also tested. Uh, Fernando jumped in the McLaren as well uh, on the Tuesday and had a bit of a run around. And he, he seemed to be more than just a, um, a bystander in the McLaren garage. So, uh, you know, clearly his influence is still coming back to that team. And the fact that he wanted to drive the car uh, is really interesting. So it's... Um, uh, he, they certainly haven't got rid of him, and, he, and he's a huge part of that team moving forward. And uh, um, you know, I think we're going to see that McLaren really, really come on. It, it looks the goods. The chassis looks good. Obviously, they've got they're, they're the best Renault engine at the moment, best performing Renault engine at the moment. So yeah, um, yeah, they could they, they could they could turn this thing around this year for sure. Yeah, the the other quickly, Rex. The yeah. other thing I, I loved about the test was that George Russell, so keeping in mind that he also drives the Mercedes as their, one of their test drivers, um, he had the ubiquitous honour, I think, of one of the days of being fastest and slowest because he yeah. drove his Williams, uh, <laughs> which was definitely slowest, and then jumped into Merck and was quickest. So uh, that's, you don't do that in a test every now and then, do you? No, no, no you don't. <laughs> oh, just very quickly on Schumacher, how do you go on the Alpha? Uh, he was like a tenth slower than the Ferrari. Yeah. Okay, so Jeez. He, yeah, uh, Schumacher well. beat himself. Which is something only a Schumacher could do. Only yes. a Schumacher could do. You know, he went well, and yeah, uh, you know, and again, I think that 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 chassis is also looking pretty smart. And uh, uh, you know, like the Haas has got a Ferrari. It's 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 sort of a it's a cloned it's a cloned mm. Ferrari as well, although it's built. But, but you know, it's looking good. And he, he he, I think he just did a really really solid job and uh, won a, won a lot of praise on the weekend. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, boys. Always an absolute pleasure. And we look at uh, reviewing Philip Island next week. Thanks, boys. Right. It's going to be good. Big weekend. Dale Rogers and Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, time to catch up with a guy who is looking to reinvigorate his open-wheel racing career by coming back into the Formula 4s here in Australia and then hopefully a Formula 1 spot down the track is what he'd like to see. Let's say good day to Lewis Lees. Hey, Lewis. Hey, Tony. Mate, first of all, congratulations on uh, a great comeback race at the Australian Grand Prix just a couple of weeks ago. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, a lot of hard work went into that race just from my family and support network. So um, to pull through and win the round was awesome. Take us through the, the thought process of wanting to come back into Formula 4 after having done it. Uh, what nearly four years ago now, and uh, then heading overseas after that. Take us through coming back into Formula One. Was it something that you thought you'd do again? Um, to tell you the truth, no, when I finished up with Red Bull. Um, but just with our career plan to race in Formula One, um, Formula Four is just one of those steps necessary that we have to take in order to race Formula Three in Europe next year. So, um, yeah, the thought process for my support group was just um, let's. We've like we've got a ladder here. We've got F four, F three, F two, F one. Why don't we do the steps properly and um, uh, race Formula Four this year just to get my mind back into open wheelers because I raced in GT three last year. So um, just to come to terms with the racing and prepare myself for Europe. Yeah, two thousand and fifteen. If we can go back a few years, was an interesting year. It was the, uh, if I remember correctly, the first year of Formula Four here in Australia and. Uh 
You guys were pretty much trailblazers, weren't you? I mean, no one had seen these cars before, no one had driven these cars before, and then all of a sudden, here we've got a group of uh, 10 or 12 kids racing around the tracks of Australia. Yeah, they're a great car, um, to tell you the truth. Just to give drivers, especially young drivers, a sense of uh, aerodynamical grip, that's something that's quite important just to teach drivers. And, you know, Formula Ford is a great category itself, um, but it doesn't have those wings, which... Like for someone like myself, if I want to race overseas, that's the sort of experience I need to have. So um, I guess Formula 4, especially in Australia, they've done a pretty good job at um, creating a better reputation for themselves. And then after a year in Formula 4 here in Australia, it was pretty much uh, most of 2016 was spent for you uh, racing in the Formula 4 Championship over in the UK. Yeah, exactly. And just because I had that experience from 2015, I was able to... Uh, pick everything up pretty quickly while I was over there racing for Arden. Um, and to tell you the truth, I had a, I had a great year throughout t- t- 2016. Um, living in Milton Keynes, always going to the Red Bull factory and racing on the weekends with like such a great team, Arden. Um, so yeah, I had, I had a great time. You mentioned going to the Red Bull factory. The reason you were doing that on a regular basis was because you were a Red Bull junior. You were part of the Red Bull junior team. That must have been an amazing period for you. Yeah. Um, to tell you the truth, after I won the race in Mexico in 2015, uh, I was just on a rocket ship. Like, everything for me was smooth sailing. Everything was going my way. Um, I was just meeting great people, always um, racing. And, you know, to move to England at such a young age um, and then have the success that I did straight away, it was pretty, um, it was pretty good, not going to lie. I can imagine, and uh, you would have hung out with some pretty cool people as well, I would have thought. Yeah, um, I definitely got to meet uh, a few heroes of mine, you know, um, while I was part of the program, got to meet Christian Horner and talk to Helmut Marco, and, you know, every now and then I would bump into a driver at the gym or um, someone at the simulator. So, you know, always speaking to those F- F3 guys, F2 guys, um, it, was, it was a good... Um, it was motivation for me to try and aim and go to what they're doing. In regards to being in that situation, what were you then, 16 years of age? Yeah, I was pretty young. I actually left home when I was 15 to live with a foster family. Uh, that's an amazing thing to do, to, to have, or to one, to have that drive and commitment to be able to do that, and two, to be able to actually survive. I, I presume you, you survived in that situation. Yeah, um, it was definitely a challenge, you know, being so young, uh, when the opportunity arrives, it's not something you can say no to. So you've got to grab it by, mo- by both hands and make the most of it. And, um, you know, I went over to England and the weather was really cold. My first test day at Olden Park, it was two degrees and snowing. So, um, you know, just stuff like that, you know, over time, by the end of the year, it, it does take a toll on you mentally. Um, but in the end of the day, it's my goal to race Formula One and I'm willing to do anything for it. Did you get an opportunity to become homesick or did you, are you working that hard that you don't even get that chance? Uh, you definitely do get the days when you're just sitting there. Um, you know, in between races, I didn't have the privilege to come back home to Australia. And, you know, I was 15. I was um, just like at the prime socially, I'd say. You know, always hanging out with my friends at school and all of a sudden uh, you're living in a in a new place where you don't know anybody at all other than... Uh, the foster family and your race team. So, you know, you gotta 
you got to work hard yourself just to try not fall into that trap of feeling lonely. So, um, but I, I had a great group around me, and you know, I've always had a great group around me. Um, and when I was with Red Bull, they put me with Hinster Performance. Um, and I did a lot of programs just to keep me occupied and not think about those things and always focus on the racing. So I was quite fortunate and privileged. You finished third in the British Championship with uh, Arden Junior Racing Team, which is a, a fair effort in itself. But that wasn't enough, was it, to sort of keep you in the Red Bull Junior Team? Yeah, um, a bit of a shame about that. But, you know, there's that saying, it's motorsport. Um, I worked as hard as I could throughout the year, and I know that um, with the experience that I had, I pretty much did the best job I really could have. Um, you know, there's always times when you look back on the championship where you say, oh, I could have done this different, could have done that, but hindsight's a pretty good thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, as a driver, you're always learning, you're always trying to improve on your mistakes. And um, throughout the year, I didn't have many, um, but Red Bull's such a cutthroat environment where you need to perform in order to satisfy um, the team up there. So, yeah, it's just part of motorsport. A stint in Formula Renault uh, and the like in 2017. Saw you come back home, some Toyota Racing Series and, and Formula 4. And then last year was uh, a full year in the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge. A, a fantastic series for kids. Yeah, uh, big credit to Phil Monday for giving me the opportunity to race with 23 Red throughout 2018. Um, it was, you know, at, the, at that stage of my career... Um, we were sort of focused on trying to create a career in supercars. Um, and, you know, that was the right step to take at the time, to learn uh, a tin top, learn how to race um, with a car much bigger than an open wheeler and much heavier and more horsepower mm. than what I'd previously driven. So, um, you know, just to, to learn, that was the right step. Yeah, no doubt about it. It is a shame, isn't it, here in Australia, and you talk about having ambitions to be a Formula One driver. To do that, you've got to be an open-wheel driver, and really it's Formula Ford or Formula Four here in Australia. Now we don't even have a, a, a genuine Formula Three series, and uh, we've got a, the, the Formula 5000 sort of coming up soon enough, but it really is tough for kids who want to take that pathway. They have to go overseas. Yeah, and um, I think it's just one of those sacrifices that as a driver you have to be willing to make. So uh, for me, I know that with my group, I'm going to be working as hard as I can uh, to race Formula 3 in Europe and to do as many test days as we can prior to the opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what CAMS can do about that gap. I mean, probably would be nice if they provided a subsidy to go <laughs> go overseas, but, um, no, you know, it's just something they're going to have to work on, I suppose. Uh, it certainly is. It certainly is. So Formula Four this year, and also gives you an opportunity to stay home and complete your schooling. Having left Australia at such a young age, you deferred your studies at the end of uh, year year ten, was it? Yeah, that's it. So you've come back and uh, last year completed year, year eleven, and uh, hopefully this year the second year of VCE, and uh, you'll have something as a plan B, I suppose. Yeah, well, everything you do in life, you've got to sort of have two options. You can't go into something with your eyes closed and just hope for the best. Um, so to come back to school, finish off year 12 this year, I'm aiming quite high, want to get a great result. Um, so just, you know, open more doors leads to more avenues. Lewis, there's an opportunity for people to go on the ride with you in 2019. I know at the moment uh, you're trying to complete a budget to do the entire Formula Four season here in Australia. Tell us some of the options that people have who might be listening to this podcast to actually get on board with you. Yeah, um, I mean, 
throughout the year, we've got plenty of opportunities for all sponsors to jump on board. Um, for me, more support, the better. Obviously, it gets us closer towards our goal of completing as many test days as we can throughout the year. So I'm offering packages on my helmet, my suit, and um, obviously on the car. So anybody that's interested, please don't be afraid to contact me at Lewis Please on Instagram. Um, and from there, we can sort out some details. And, and the amazing thing is, I mean, here we are talking about sponsoring a, a racing car and a racing car driver, and people are probably sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this has cost an absolute fortune. Uh, we're, we're talking, what, from $250 up to a few thousand. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities for anyone from the very lower end right up until a corporation who wants to spend a bit of money. Yeah, exactly. Um, for me, it's about getting as much support as I can from the local community. So on my helmet, every single spot, uh, is $250 each, and then on the suit, it's $500. Um, so for, for just people that don't own big businesses but want to help a young driver try aim towards their goals, you know, it's, it's something good to jump onto. Yeah, it certainly would be. So uh, th- that to get in touch with you again, that, was that at Lewis Leeds? At Lewis Leeds on Instagram, yes. Yeah, fantastic. All right, well, that's the place to do it. And also, if you want to drop us a line here as well, we can pass you Lewis's details also mate uh, racing around albert park that must have been a, a massive thrill yeah it was incredible um you know i growing up melbourne a local boy um you're always watching the formula one here so to actually um be on the track and especially to win a race and put it on pole position that was awesome for me and it's actually quite funny because i often train at albert park i also do athletics for school and stuff like that so yeah. um to actually be driving around the track rather than running the lake is, uh, yeah, pretty good. Did you get an opportunity to say hi to Christian Horner? Uh, you know what? I actually did. Fantastic. Um, I did bump into Christian Horner and I did bump into Helmut Marco. So, yeah, you know, um, I'm always working on trying to meet new people, trying to make sure my name's still out there because, uh, you know, as an Australian, our likelihood of racing Formula One isn't that high but there is still a small percentage of that happening. So as long as that percentage percentage is there, I'm going to be willing to do anything to, to get there. Uh, Lewis, we congratulate you, mate, on uh, on what you've done so far in your uh, very short but young career, and hopefully there's plenty more to come around the corner, including hopefully a, a Formula 4 title in 2019 here in Australia. Thanks for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it, and let's hope we can uh, get a few people on board and... Uh, helped uh, get that Formula 4 uh, dream realised for 2019. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Lewis Leeds joining us here on The Grid. Well, that wraps up another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course, On The Grid powered by theracetalk.com. Thanks for joining us again for another week. We look forward to uh, wrapping up. Philip Island next week. We'll talk to you then.